all the glory and the praise, all the glory and the honor, Lord. Father, we, we ask you that this month, Lord, that you may be honored, you may be glorified. That, Lord, it is really because you're worthy, Lord, of all praise and adoration that we believe the missions is the heart of the church. It is where you're sending every single Christian, Lord. The mission of God is not for a select few, but for every Christian, for every person who is a disciple of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray, Lord, as we begin to give a season of not focusing on COVID and a season not focusing on the things that we need, on the things that we lack, but focusing on others, focusing on what you're doing in the world and what you're doing in our midst, God, that you may give us better perspective of ourselves and of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we're glad that you are joining us this morning. We're really grateful that um, we get this media type of thing to connect with you, and, and we're grateful for the people that are here that make this possible. Uh, as you know, this month is Missions Month, and as I mentioned earlier, we had planned a couple of things and guests and all, all of that, um, but we don't want this to stop our plans, and so nevertheless, we're still going to have um, uh, multiple guests coming on Sundays or via video, uh, they're going to be joining us. And so we wanted to, um, before we even get into um, today's sermon and where we're going this morning, um, I want to share with you a little video, and then I'm going to maybe give you announcements afterwards, but um, a very special person that's part of Garwood, her, her name is Emily Marshall, and, and she is a supported missionary here at Garwood. And since it's Missions Month, we're, uh, different Sundays, we're going to have different people uh, with short video introductions, videos telling you what their ministry is about. And so what I wanted to do is to share a video that she shared with us. And uh, that way, if you don't know what she does, um, you know, many of you know uh, Tyler and Emily for a long time, but uh, I think this video can help summarize a little bit of, of what the Lord has called her to do. All right, so just watch this video with me, and then we'll come back. Hey, guys, it's Emily. First of all, let me just say that Tyler and I seriously miss our church family. Uh, we love you guys. Can't wait for the day that we can meet again in person soon, hopefully. Um, I have some notes up here because I want to keep on track with myself, but I'm grateful for the opportunity to share a little bit about what I do at the House of Prayer. Um, I have been a full-time intercessory missionary at the International House of Prayer Eastern Gate for over eight years now. Um, our heart is to raise up a 24-7 altar of worship and prayer unto Jesus' return in this metro region. IHOPEG, it's a missions base, it's not a church, so all denominations are welcome to come and join in this continual prayer meeting. The central hub of the missions base is what we call the prayer room. This is modeled after the tabernacle that David built unto the Lord, we can read about in 2 Chronicles, where David hired 4,000 musicians, 288 singers, just to minister to the Lord continually with praise and thanksgiving. In Isaiah, the Lord says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. And Jesus quotes this again in the Gospels. He is zealous for his people to be a praying people. And the house of prayer serves the body of Christ with equipping the saints in enjoyable and sustainable prayer. We use a method called harp and bowl uh, based out of Revelation 5, 8, which combines the harp or music with the bowl, which represents the prayers of the saints. We found that combining the combination of music and spontaneous song in our prayer meetings makes for truly enjoyable and engaging corporate prayer meetings. Jesus is coming back and he's coming back in response to the cry of his bride. So like John the Baptist before his first coming, we are crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord for his second coming. Second Chronicles 7 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves Pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive them, and I will heal their land. In Joel 2, the Lord commands us to turn to him with fasting and with mourning, to gather a solemn assembly, to sanctify ourselves. At the house of prayer, we are laboring in intercession for the release of God's power, to win the lost, to awaken and revive his church, and to impact society. God is all-powerful. He is sovereign. We know that he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And yet he humbles himself and he wants to partner. He actually wants to partner 
with his people on the earth. He wants us to draw near to him, to know and to carry his heart. And then from that place, pray the prayers that align with his will for the earth. Personally, the Lord called me to the house of prayer by leading me to the study of the life of Moses. Moses stood in the gap between the children of Israel and the Lord, reminding God of his covenant to them when they grumbled and urging the Israelites continually to turn to the Lord and remember his faithfulness when they were rebelling and they doubted him. The Bible says that Moses spoke to God face to face as with a friend. The calling of worship uh, unto the Lord in the prayer room, this stirs my heart to deeper intimacy and to friendship with God. And then from that place, I move into intercession for the nations and for this generation. The ministry that we do in the prayer room, this fuels many other ministries at the mission space, such as weekly street evangelism, overseas missions trips, programs for the youth and the children, um, the Jerusalem prayer, prayer room, and yearly internships, much more. Um, I serve the base as a worship leader, administrative assistant to the prayer room and staff director, and then I also work in the finance department. I feel so privileged to do what I do. I'm so grateful to this church uh, that stands behind me and supports me in this lifestyle of prayer and ministry unto the Lord. So thank you guys so much. God bless. All right, we're back. Thank you, Emily, for that video. Uh, why don't we take just one minute and just pray for her. Is that okay? I'm going to just pray for us and bless her. Um, Lord, thank you for Emily and her service, Lord, to what she's being called to do in this season. I do pray that you may continually give her wisdom and guidance, Lord, as she serves and as she um, spends time here at Garwood. I pray that we may be uh, just a people of God who keep her in prayer and bless them and their marriage as they sojourn, Lord, in this uh, momentary life together. Uh, thank you, Lord, for um, just uh, the calling, Lord, to serve you um, in this way. And yeah, Lord, we're grateful for her and all that she brings. In Jesus' name, amen. So you can be looking out for more of those videos uh, next week and the week after that. Uh, we are going to have this week, where there's a couple of announcements I want to give you. Uh, one of them is tonight, uh, well, this afternoon at 4.30, we're going to have the kids' Zoom call. Um, from what I've heard, my own kids have had a lot of fun, right? You kids, you, got, you have fun. I saw you guys running all over the house this past Sunday. It was really, really fun. So if you have children, um, we would love for them to join us at 4.30 uh, via Zoom call. I believe we're going to resend the link out to you, but it should be already in your email from the previous week. Uh, this Thursday, we're going to have a special um, podcast uh, with a couple of us uh, in talking um, about uh, the, the aspect of missions in colleges. And, and so we'd love for you to join us. We're going to send more info out on this this week, um, but it will be Thursday at 7 p.m. And then on Saturday, we're going to have our men's Zoom meeting, okay? Uh, we would love if we could get together and get that turning point breakfast, but it, it will not be so this, month, this week. Uh, we will meet on Saturday via Zoom There'll be an email uh, for that. So uh, with that in mind, uh, just put that in your calendars. We'd love to have you guys join us. Uh, why don't we um, just go to the Word of God this morning? So what we're going to do, let me just give you a little bit of the background on, on really what we're going to share this morning. Um, you know, when you think of missions, when you think of the term missions, um, I think for many of us, there's a lot of different ideas that we can have. Um, when my wife and I, in 20, I would say 2010, 2011, we read a book, and this book uh, it was, it was named Radical. It was written by David Platt. And in this book, he juxtaposes the life in American Christianity and the life that a disciple of Jesus Christ is meant to live. And I remember, you know, in 2010, reading this book, and then 2011, reading it again, and my wife and I beginning to talk about how our life wasn't matching what we were preaching. How we were saying, we want the lost to be saved, we want the world to know Jesus, but we were living very comfortably, right? We were extremely comfortable, and um, the Lord began to convict us. And, and so, me, you know, I won't go into a whole story, but that's where it began for us 2011. We began to ask, what is missions? And then when we did missions, we came back and we, and we thought, okay, but what is missions for the local church? And ultimately, how does a family with four kids, how do they do missions? I'm not called to, you know, leave my job behind. And, and so how, how does that work? And so this morning, um, you know, the title of the sermon is The Mission of God. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to define the mission of God. And we're going to talk about the implications in our lives. Because as we listen throughout this month to uh, people involved in college ministry, as we talk about brothers involved in, uh, in, in ministry with Muslims, as we talk about with brothers, as we hear sermons from brothers who are doing uh, missions, planning churches in unreached places of the world, which means there's no gospel witnesses, for us, it's not just for us to sit and say, that's amazing that they do that. But rather, the question is, what is my role in that? And that's really what this month is about. It is not just for us to sit and say, okay, how can I give? But the question is, how do I play a role in this? So let me, let me begin there. And so let me begin by saying that when I say the term missions, I think it comes with a variety of views, okay? Uh, and, and I did upload notes for you guys. If you have notes in your email and in the Facebook, um, in your Facebook, you should be able to click there. But, but let, me, let me just say three things about different views of, of missions. Now, some of this is experiential. You can look at any missions book. You're going to see these in different, in different uh, terms. But there's a, uh, first, I think when we think about missions, think about the mission of God, we think of an evangelistic ministry. Right? Where the missionary is sent to a place and he preaches the gospel. Right? And he preaches the gospel to those who don't know Jesus. For some of these, these are pastors, church planners, evangelists. And these men and women see the ultimate goal of missions, seeing the preaching of the gospel. Simple as that. What's, what's missions? You preach the gospel. And so in this sense of preaching, we're also in a mission, right? Because we're preaching the gospel. So we're not much different when we look at it in that perspective. Now, there's another way in which people have looked at missions, and, and it is a lot wider in scope. And, in, and it is that mission, uh, missions is seen as an emotional, uh, or, or, or in a way that, uh, that we fulfill the emotional and physical needs of the less fortunate. Think Mother Teresa, right? Missionaries are sent to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Anybody ever heard of that? Hands and feet of Jesus, right? You've called to serve. You've called to get into the dirty part, into the, into the dirty, gritty uh, of people's lives, and, and you're called to serve. Just love people. So missions is evangelistic. The missions could also entail using one's gifts um, to reach the world. Uh, in my notes, I have the missionary goal in this sense is to love the unlovable and to help those in need. Very simple. So we have preaching the gospel. We're going to love people. That's one, one way we do missions. Another way we do missions that, that we've, maybe you've heard and, and, and you'll see this in, in uh, the classical understanding of missions is that we simply love people. By loving people, by meeting their need, by helping the poor, you are actually doing missions. Lastly, and I think this is more modern, and I have a lot of friends who I love and, and I really appreciate uh, what they do. But missions is concerned with social concerns of the world. Here's what that means. The missionaries are concerned with social action, political change, community involvement. Somebody has said it. It's incarnational ministry. It's as if Jesus himself was walking down the street and he would touch on schools. He would touch on governments. He would change uh, political systems. Uh, they're, incar they're the incarnated body of Christ in the world. And the way they lead others to Christ is not by preaching, okay, it's not by providing needs to help in the poor, but it's simply walking like Jesus. That when they look at our life, right? I don't know if you heard this, but the greatest sermon, somebody, I think a, a saint said that, right? The greatest sermon we could preach is our life. Have anybody heard that, maybe? Uh, something like that? And so m missions can also begin that, right? People, you say, uh, that they're uh, missionaries, sometimes they, they're part of these social constructs, social concerns type of missions. And so here's the question for us this morning, Okay? Are these definitions and views of missions really biblical? Okay? Because consider these questions in light of what I just mentioned. These three ways, right? Evangelistic, right? Mission, missions who, that, that is a preaching type of endeavor. Or, or missions that is more, more emotional, uh, fulfilling the needs of the people. Or think about missions that is focused on the social aspect of people's lives. Those three things. Um, think about that and let me ask you a couple of questions. Is, is this biblical? One, but then... Um, if that's the case, what is the mission uh, of God for the church? One, what is a missionary? How should a missionary be supported and sent? What is the difference between local and global missions? Okay, now if you're watching this and you're about to turn off, you're like, I don't know any of these questions. I barely know what a missionary is. Don't be discouraged because the point of this, the, this whole month is that we can have a better sense of what the Bible says about this. 
Um, I, I would suggest one thing. I would say that um, um, we often take a passive approach to these questions. We often leave it to the missionary. We leave it to the pastor. We leave it to the, to the experts to lead us and to answer these questions. But that is not so. It is for us to own and to know. It is for us to be taught and, and see what the scriptures say about this. Uh, a pastor said this, and I think I have uh, the slides, a slide up. Um, it's, uh, a pastor wrote this. Some churches view mission and evangelism as one item in a spiritual buffet. That is, the Great Commission is one of many options for churchgoers who feel personally inclined. Other churches view missions and evangelism as one item in a spiritual plate, like beets. The Great Commission doesn't appeal to most people, but everyone has to eat their veggies. <laughs> Ain't that true? I think many, many of us feel like missions is just, it's just kind of part of what we have to do. And what happens after a while? It just becomes something we support, and we don't even know what's happening in the aspect of missions. See, uh, I think we all agree we must be doing something outside our walls. But are our, but our, our actions um, urgent? Are our actions prayerful? Or are they pragmatic? You see, we, we don't own the mission calling has, God has left for us if we simply add missions right, to the buffet of all the things that we do in church. And so during this missions month, I, I, I'm praying. I'm praying that all of us here and you that are watching, that, that, that all of us begin to ask ourselves, Lord, what is my role in this, uh, in this great calling you give in the church? That the Lord may give you excitement, may give you clarity for what missions means in this church. That if you're a father, mother, daughter, right? Uh, I don't want you to be discouraged and say, uh, how do I play a role in this, right? Our theme for this month is the mission of God for the home and the world, for the home and the world. And so I have here, um, I write this, our home, and I don't want you to think too much of this, but I think this is important to say, that our home is the hub where all missionaries are ultimately built and shaped. And then the church tests and sends. It, it is, the church is not just here um, to kind of welcome and, and build missionaries. Missionaries are built at the home by the training of our kids, by us growing in the word of God. And so during this month, we're going to hear about great missionaries, great people who are serving God and doing great things. And it's going to be amazing. But uh, I want you to think about this. What is your role in the mission of God? And so this morning, we're going to answer just two questions of that. And it is this. What is the mission of God? Just that. What is the mission of God and what is its impact to my life here today? Okay, and my prayer again is that you may begin to think a lot more broader than just, you know, somebody else is better at it. Let somebody else do it is what is our role in that. So let me pray and then we'll, we'll begin. Lord, I thank you, God, that, that we can be here together, that we can um, really uh, worship you and, and freedom, Lord, that we don't have to fear persecution that we don't have to um, you know, be worried about uh, food. We don't have to be worried about uh, uh, having Bibles, Lord, that we are uh, exceedingly blessed um, in having your word and servants who want to serve you. And so I ask you, God, that in, this, in these uh, next five weeks, that, Lord, you may open our hearts, Lord. You may challenge us, that, Lord, you may, uh, in a way, uh, bring offense to our hearts to see what's in there, what we believe about missions, what we believe about evangelism, what we believe about uh, who are the most needy, who, where do we have to go, what's the most importance, what's in your heart for your people. Father, I, I pray that uh, we may be open to this and that you may be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so let me begin by defining the term mission. Before we talk about the mission of God, Let's define the term mission, okay? And again, you can, you can go a little deeper here in some of the stuff that I put in there, but the word mission comes from the word missio, which is actually a Latin word, which was a translation of the word apostello in, in, in the Greek New Testament. That, that's, a, that's a lot of words there. But simply, the word missions means sent. The word missions means apostello. Does that sound familiar? Apostello, apostle. Right? Apostles were sent ones. Okay? And, and, and so uh, I have uh, some uh, scriptures here that help us with that. John 17, 18. 
And, and when we see this term used of apostello, this mission, this being sent, we see it in the context of the relationship between God and his son. So here's what John 17, 18 says. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Okay? Look at what we see here. We see that Jesus was being sent. He was being missio. He was being uh, missioned, commissioned, apostled, if I could say that, into the world. Sending people into the ripe harvest fields was not our idea. We did not look at the need and go, I think we need missionaries. Let's just come up with this idea. It was God's idea, beginning with his son. Now, isn't uh, to me, this was fascinating as I was reading through this this week. Because Jesus was the prototype of all of those who are being sent by God. So then when we begin to speak about missions, this is what we should say, sending. When we speak about the sending of God, we should talk about the mission of God. When Jesus came and put on flesh to die on the cross for us, it was the greatest missionary endeavor that we have ever seen. It was after his sending that we are now then sent into the world. You guys with me on that so far, right? Because Jesus was sent. Look at uh, John 20, 21. It says, and, and we see it again, as the Father has sent me, missio, apostello, even so I am what? Sending you, right? Capture this. At the very end of Jesus' ministry, this is John 20, where, you know, it's kind of it's ending uh, here, uh, the, the, the Gospel of John. Jesus uh, sees fit to send his disciples into the world just like he was sent by the Father, okay? And so I have a little, uh, again, I have a little uh, thing here that I want you to think about it this way. God is a missionary God, okay? The Father sends the Son, Jesus, the Father and Son send the Holy Spirit. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit send the church. You guys following me on that, right? So, so the mission endeavor, and here's where we begin missions. We don't begin with the world. We begin with God. We don't begin with the need. We begin with God. The question then, and for us, is really, what are we sent for? Okay, so we, again, think about mission. The, what is the mission of God? Let's define the word mission. The mission means being sent. And sent the way God sent Jesus, the way God and Jesus sent the Spirit, and the way all three sent the church. So the question for us is, what then was uh, Jesus sent for? And so uh, go, go with me to John 3, 16 and 17. And in this verse, I know it's, I'm sure you guys can quote it, um, just, just because it's such a, a famous verse. But um, uh, well, I want you to read verse 17 as well with me. And, and so let me go ahead and read it. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Amen. Right? We know that one. I affirm that one. Look at verse 17. For God did not send Apostello, his son, into the world to condemn the world, but here's why. Ready? Why was Jesus sent and why are we sent? In order that the world might be saved through him. Okay? See, the reason why Jesus was sent was so that the world might be saved from his sinful status, from its rebellious nature before a holy God. Right? Man cannot have relationship with God, nor could he hear or know God. And so, uh, when we think about missions, we think, okay, what is what is God's mission? Then we think about what is the Son's mission? And so let me state it more clearly, and I think I have this on, on, uh, more clearly on the slide. And, and it is this. The mission of God, which is God's mission, is to save the world from its bondage of sin by making the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, known and available to every person through his servants. You guys with me on that so far? Right? And I actually added something else, uh, I think it was a couple of nights ago, you might not have it in your notes, but I think ultimately all this serves for one purpose, for God's glory, for the praise that every nation, every tribe and tongue may confess that Jesus is Lord. So let me read this again to you, adding that in. The mission of God, which is God's mission, is to save the world from its bondage of sin for his own glory by making the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, known and available to every person 
through his servants. Now, that's a mouthful. I, I know. <laughs> but I think that right there is the core of the missionary endeavor. Okay? Now, this is what missionaries do. This is what the core of every missionary should entail. Now, I say this should because not every missionary does this. Okay? This is not an option. This is not an accidental development. This is not, I'm going to be a missionary and see what happens. This is not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to endeavor into labor into God's calling for missions, and I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm just going to see what God does. No, no, there's intentionality in the call of missions. And so um, this is the crux of the reason why people are sent, okay? And, and Matthew, um, Matthew 28 uh, verse 18 and 20, I think, elaborate on this mission. And, and so before I go there, uh, let me just give you a little bit of, of background on, on how my wife and I, some of you guys know the story. But it was after uh, reading this book, Radical. It was, uh, and I recommend it to you. If you, if you want to be challenged by something, and, and, our, and especially in our culture in this COVID time, pick up that book by David Platt called Radical. But after that book, we picked up another book, which is called Let the Nations Be Glad by John Piper. And as we began to read, and we were serving in a ministry that was wonderful, uh, wonderful people, uh, we began to see um, how blessed we were. We began to see how, you know, uh, you know speaking here, right, we, we have a beautiful sound system. I have an iPad, I have an iPhone, I have musicians, I have a place, I have lights. And then when you began to, we're going to talk about this in a minute, but when you began to see the need of the world, where there is no sound system, where there actually are no preachers, where there are no Bibles, the need of the gospel just, became, just brought us to a, to a different place. We began to be challenged, and we began to say, Lord, would you send us if, if that, that is your call? Lord, would you, would you show us if that is what we're meant to, to leave our house? And, and we had just bought a house. Think about this. I mean, a first home, how exciting that, that was. But it was the moment that we bought our house that within six months, the Lord connected us to an organization called Frontier Alliance International. The Lord has blessed that work, and, and they're, they're, they're huge right now if you want to check them out online. But um, these brothers were from Australia, from UK. They were from all over, and they were similar to us. Uh, they were highly impacted by John Piper, Desiring God, and some of the stuff they're putting out. And so there was about 15 families, all with kids. And my girls probably remember that we all went and all we did for a season of six months is try to learn the language, pray or worship every single morning, pass out Bibles, have small group. I was in charge of training a couple of worship leaders in the Middle East. And so we began to know all these different pastors from all over Israel, Jordan, Egypt, Turkey. And what you began to see, what you began to see, it was always the same. It was, we don't have enough laborers. That was always the thing. We don't have people that want to come. We don't have no salaries. We don't have titles. And so people don't come. And so our heart began to just always begin to, to, to cry out for the Lord. Lord, would you, would you help us become those people? And so, and so I say all this because um, we had three kids at the time, and it wasn't the easiest of things. We, uh, for us, we, had, we sold all our possessions uh, Chrissia, there were many times where she would cry and would go, I want to live here. I love North Jersey, you know. And, and, and you know, we, all our savings were gone to go. We raised support. Um, and the Lord knows why he does it, you know, but, but it wasn't an easy calling. And, and so I want you to think about this uh, as, think about the hardest things you have to do in your life. I want you to think about what the Lord has called us to do. And they're not always easy, right? Who knows that, right? They're not always easy. And as you think about um, you know, this, this, this uh, month of missions and you see these people that are serving and they're doing things for the Lord, begin to think about how much they've given up. Think about what the Lord has, has called them to, to count the cost for. And so I, I want to give you that as a foundation as what we're going to go into next. And it is Matthew 28, 19. So go there with me. Matthew 28, um, verse 18 through 20, actually. And so uh, with this in mind, let me, let me read this passage. Again, might be familiar to you, but I want to break this down a little more. And it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority um, on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them 
in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you until the end of the age. So again, we're talking about these views of missions, right? Three different views of missions. We see the, the, the Bible's definition of missions, right? And now we're seeing, if I could say, the nature of missions. Okay, we're, we're called to, what does it say here? We're to save the world from its bondage of sin. All right, for God's glory. That's, fun, that's, that's fantastic. Making the good news available, that's great. How do we do that? What, I mean, what does that look like? There's so many training schools, so many organizations. Well, let me begin here. First, we have to know what is the foundation of the mission, right? Look at verse 18. It says, and Jesus came and said this, all authority in heaven and on the earth has been given to who? To me, right? It has been given to Jesus. When God sends us, we do not go in our own authority. We go with the authority before, uh, authority of God before us. Verse 20 ends with, Behold, I am always with you until the end of the age. So what's the point here is that the mission of God is not your mission. I am very cautious, very, very cautious when I have young people, young brothers and sisters who love the Lord and say, I am called to the mission's world. And you know what I asked? How long have you had a job? <laughs> you know, uh, how long have you served your local church? Are there people approving and serving and affirming your call? And I know we don't like to hear that. Trust me, I know that. I, I've been there. But, but this is not our mission. It's not about God has called me and God has done this. See, if, God, if it's God's mission, he's going to call you. He's going to affirm. He's going he's gonna to support your mission. Christ goes before, before us. He loves the lost more than we do. Uh, I remember when, I, when we landed in Turkey, and, and this is, I'm just sharing my vulnerability and immaturity. Is that okay? Can I do that? I'm immature too when I say this. I remember me coming my first morning uh, on the plane, all our kids, and I remember saying to our brothers, and I'm going, we're going to finish the Great Commission. High-fiving. We're going, we're going to see, in my mind, I thought we're going to have revival. That's what I thought. And I'm getting, first night, you know what I did the first, second night? I'm like, we're going to work, and I'm ready. Where do I evangelize? What do I do? Six months later, there's like two people. <laughs> right? right? I'm just saying my immaturity, because that's the way we work. We think it's, whose mission? My mission. Oh, I'm talented. I could speak very well, man. I know my Bible decently. I could, people are going to love me if I get there, because we think it's our authority. The sad thing is that oftentimes I hear burned-out missionaries and the reason why they're burnt out is because, you know what they do? They carry the mission on themselves. They begin to think it's, it's their gifting. It's how much money they can raise. It's how, it's how talented they are. It's how gifted they are. But they forget that it's God's mission. It's not their mission. So as we think about uh, what does Missions Month look like and what is missions, we must think first, God is in control. He loves more the lost than we do. And so we trust them. We trust them in that regard. And so doing something great for God begins not with us, but with Him and receiving all trust and all His authority. So number one, the foundation of missions is that it's God's mission. It's not our mission. Okay, number two, uh, look at verse 19. Look at the magnitude of the mission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You know, uh, oftentimes we're focused on the go part of this thing. Just go. <laughs> just go. Just go. You're talented. You're gifted. Let's just, let's just give somewhere. Let, let's do, I mean, we need this. We got to get out there. But look what it says there. It says every nation, all nations. What does this mean? Uh, brother and sister, we should look outside America. At, at its very basic, we should, we should say it's a lot broader than Garwood. It's a lot broader than New Jersey. It's a lot broader even than the, U, the U.S. It, it has a global component um, to this mission. Uh, it's not just about winning souls for Christ. Look again. It says, go therefore and make what? What does it say there? Make what? Make disciples. Doesn't say make converts. Doesn't say just go win the lost. It's not only about preaching the gospel. It's not only about, you know, building a nice tent and building something nice so that I could come back and say, look what I did. I actually did something. How many disciples have we made? Are there people following us? Are there people tracking with what we're doing? 
Were disciples made? Was the good news that you proclaimed or the acts of mercy that you did leading to people being transformed into the likeness of Jesus? I know that's a hard question to ask because even we struggle here to make disciples. But I think we don't want to lower the bar, amen? We want to to be biblical. And so are we making disciples? The magnitude of the mission is all nations, disciples, okay? Number three, what's the method? What's the method of the mission? Um, So let's look at the other half of 19. (laughs) Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Okay, what's the method? Okay, this is how we see mission flourishing. There's baptisms in his name. People are grounded in the word and begin to obey what he has commanded. Okay, in other words, the mission of God transforms sinners into faithful disciples. Now, uh, I want to give a word of caution, right? We don't, we don't want to hold fast and say, if you're not doing this, then you're not a true missionary. Uh, you know, um, there's been missionaries, uh, Don, uh, Donovan Judson and, and others, um, that they've labored in fields for years, and they only see a handful of conversions, handful of disciples. And so we can't really uh, have a hard, fast rule, but at the very least, the heart of the mission has to be to make disciples for Jesus, okay? And so the question is for us this morning, if you look at the foundation of missions, you look at the magnitude of missions, and we look at the method of missions, okay, answering, okay, what is the nature? Like, how, how does it function? What do we do? The fact that we're called to make disciples, we're, go, we're supposed to call to the nations, and we're supposed to uh, see fruit in the, in the transformation of people. All right, that's great. It's in the Bible. Great, goodbye, thank you. Let's meet again. What, why does it matter to me? How do you here living in, in 21st century America, uh, you know, in this COVID, you know, even post-COVID season as it's coming, what does that matter to me? What's the use to me? And, and so uh, we must begin by saying that there is, as I mentioned earlier, a, a root to all this, and it is that God desires to be worshipped among all nations. Uh, John Piper uh, puts it this way, missions exist because worship does not. The writer of Psalms conveys this sentiment. In Psalm 46, he says, I will be exalted in all the earth. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. The goal of everything we're saying this morning is not so that we can say, look, look what we did. Okay, look, how, look who we're supporting, but it's so that God, so that God is glorified among all peoples. Okay? See, mission is joining God in his passion to love the nations by offering himself to them for the overflowing of his joy and in their praise. This does not mean that every nation is going to be singing songs today. In fact, worship in the New Testament is an internal reality. You know what worship truly is? Worship is obedience to God. Worship is honoring him. Worship is making him greater than anything and everything that we want. He is our worship. He's the object of our worship. And so missions, the ultimate goal of missions is that, is that every person may submit to Christ. Every person may obey Christ. It's not that every nation is going to sing for Christ, right? It's that every nation obeys Christ. And so if this is the case, then what is my role? If God is meant to be worshipped among all nations... What does that mean for me, uh, you know, who lives here, uh, Omar, with four kids in Union, New Jersey, has two, three jobs, is trying to keep up, you know, how is that my mission? And so I give you uh, four ways here, and, and, and the first one is this, that we're called to be everyday missionaries, everyday missionaries, okay? The Great Commission is not for a select few, it is for the entire church, and it is as relevant today as it was back then. And here's what that means. That everyday missionaries are those who practice everything we talked about just earlier. We take that and say, How do, okay, I'm going to live this out in my context. When we choose to join God and his mission through his church, we choose to be missionaries every day. And so I have an application for you what that means. Life on mission, and that's what we're going to call it, life on mission is about intersecting, the go- intersecting gospel intentionality into our everyday rhythms. What do I mean by rhythm? You're waking up, you're walking with your friends in the morning, you're going to intersect the gospel. 
you're a missionary in a field that's dry, right? Uh, you're meeting with your family. You're having family dinners. You have a family that does not know Christ, who is separated from Christ. That's a gospel field for you, right? Uh, you have your children, right, who, who, who reject Christ, who want nothing to know about him. Where are you going to pray? And guess what? That's your missions field. You're an everyday missionary. It's about intersecting the gospel, okay, intentionally into our everyday rhythm of your life. And I know that might be challenging, right? I'm an introvert. I don't really talk. I don't really have friends. There's no option here of personality. The gospel is for all of us. And so what's the impact of all this reality? One, we're called to be everyday missionaries. That's a challenge for us. I know that but we're called to do this. It wasn't just for the select few, it's for all of us. So number one, we're called to be everyday missionaries, intersecting the gospel intentionally in every rhythm of our life. Two, we're called to train and send missionaries. Notice, I don't say send, just send. We're called to train and send missionaries. This may be a shock to you, but out of uh, America's 360 million people, uh, evangelicals account only for about 22 to 28 million. Okay? Now, uh, I have a, a, you can look at this um, link on your footnote, and you can go look at it with more detail. But if you look at any graphic, okay, any Barna group, you guys know who that is, Barna group, uh, uh, you know, demographic, trends, you'll see that, Amer- that Christianity in America uh, has a, a bleak outlook, okay? Now, this is not just nationally. Um, it, according to the Joshua Project, more than 40% of the entire world exists today without a gospel witness in their midst. Let me give you a real number. Uh, frontier people groups, FPGs, account for 1.9 billion of these people. Think about that for a second, okay? 1.9 billion of people not only have no church, okay, that, that's a problem, not only have no missionary, but they have no access to Bibles. Think about that. There's no Bibles in their language. There's nobody right now preparing to go into this field. And I think I have a, a graphic, uh, this chart. This chart, you're going to see mostly it's the Middle East, mostly it's Afghanistan and, and all these other tribes in these places in the remote regions. Two billion people, okay, have no movement starting. No church, no Bible, no chance of discipleship. Even uh, there's nobody coming and wanting to cross that barrier of culture and language. Okay, so again, what's the application? Well, you and I have a responsibility as a church to train and send missionaries strategically to the world, to places like these. Men and women are tasked to take the gospel into hard places. And so, Uh, One, we're called to be everyday missionaries. Two, we're called to train and send missionaries. Amen? You guys with me so far? All right. So number three, we're called to pray for laborers and the harvest fields. Now, I know the first two have a lot to do with doing, and it might be a little scary for you, uh, but let me begin by saying, do we even pray for this? Do we pray for this? I, I, I would... I would, I would say to us that we're called to pray. We're not just asked to pray, okay? Go with me to Matthew 9, uh, verse 35 and 38. And in Matthew 9, if you read all of Matthew 9, you'll see there's a bunch of healings going on. Jesus is coming to the place, and the power of God is just healing absolutely everybody, okay? And so this is powerful, but, but I want you to read these three verses because it tells us uh, how this section of healing ends. And he says, Uh, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease, every affliction. Verse 36, watch this. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Go Go therefore Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Think about this for a moment. Jesus sees the need. What is the need? They're what? They're they're helpless, right? They're harassed. Many of them are sick and afflicted. Jesus could have said one thing. Let's heal them all tonight. Let's just do that. Let's just work. Let's just just get into it. I know what's going to fix it. One one little handkerchief, right? One One little wave, everybody gets healed. He doesn't say that. He actually says, pray. 
pray. Because the mission of God is not accomplished just by God showing up, but it is us, the people of God, going into these places, God moving through us, but it happens through prayer. It happens as we pray for the Lord to send laborers. And so the mission of God changes our prayers. He places the focus not on ourselves, but on others. Amen? When you think about missions, just ask yourself this question. Are your prayers more about you than about God's need for the world? Every single one of us needs to have this prayer in our routine. If you pray every morning, you have your devotional, end it with, Lord, send more laborers. Just, Just pray that out. Okay, so this might be an easier way you can contribute to the Great Commission. Maybe you're a prayer warrior. Maybe you're a person who says, Lord, before I I even go there, let me pray. Notice that Jesus' compassion at their helplessness is what produced this great missionary prayer. So what's the application here? We need to make prayer the fuel for mission. Prayer and missions go hand in hand. For missionaries, there is no value in a prayerless missionary. If you know missionaries, you know what questions we should be asking. What's your prayer life like? How are you praying? What are your prayers? There is no value in a church sending missionaries who don't pray. We must pray that God sends qualified missionaries into the unreached places of the world. Amen? And so, lastly, um, we are called to go. We are called to go. The impact of the mission of God is that all of us are goers. Yes, some of us are senders. Some of us are the ones that, you know, support others that go. But we just said earlier that we are local missionaries. We must have a spirit of going. Uh, I know that not many of us are going to raise support tomorrow and go to the the plane. But we could do a lot here in Garwood. (laughs) We could do a lot here as we go. Um, you know, if we're people that really want to be missional, people that really want to have missions in our minds and, and really live this out, then we will say, Lord, I'm willing to go here. I'm willing to do this now. I'm willing to be a missionary. I'm willing to count the cost and do what you've called me to do here, even if it makes me uncomfortable. So what does that mean? I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to make disciples. I'm going to see God's, I'm going to be a prayer warrior. I'm going to pray for the mission of God. Whatever that is in your life, you're going to be called to go, but you must have it in your heart. You must say, I'm called to go. And there is no option. Uh, Look at Romans 10, verse 14 and 15. And And here's Paul making the case for the necessity of preaching, the necessity of people going. Everybody's called to go. He says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they uh, to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching to them? And here we go. How are they to preach unless they are sent? How are people to hear the gospel if we don't feel like we're sent? And, and it says, as it is written, how beautiful the feet of those who preach the good news. All of us are sent. All of us are called to go. The mission of God is accomplished through each individual member playing the role that God has called them to play. You're an everyday missionary. But are you going? Are you laying your life down to, uh, in pursuing God and, and laying your life as a sacrifice for others? Are you proclaiming the gospel at home, at work, in your neighborhood, or are you just creating friendships without missionary intentionality that's needed to know Christ? Listen, many of us, some of you watching, some of you here, have more influence than, than, than me. I could preach a sermon, even the best one God could give me, but you know who has more influence over your friends? You. You can have the greatest book that you can read. You can have uh, you know, the, the greatest uh, article that person could read about Jesus, the greatest movie, but you and I are the greatest, uh, uh, the greatest tool God uses to bring others to Christ. You're not alone. God has you and all of us for a reason. God has called us to, to preach these good news to those around us and those who are close to us. And so I, I want to leave this with you and just tell you that we're called to go. That as we hear um, you know, stuff about college ministry, as we hear things about um, stuff in unreached places of the world, as we think about uh, just church planting, uh, addiction ministry, as we think about all these things, I want you to think about how, what is my role there? Uh, am I supposed to pray? Am I supposed to be a prayer 
uh, warrior? Uh, am, I, am I called to, to go? <laughs> am I called to that ministry? Um, but even before we get there, begin to think about your own home. Begin to think about how you can uh, be an everyday missionary right where you are. And so I want you to pray about that in this season, in these four ways that this impacts us. Um, the, the next week, uh, we're going to have, um, Krista will be sharing about um, the mission of God at the home and, and, you know, what role we play just as parents, just as, uh, as people of God. And so um, this is not meant to be, um, when you talk about missions, you know, this is not meant to be um, a parading of uh, here's the people that are missionaries and here's us people who meet on Sundays. Uh, what, what I've been trying to do here this morning is to bridge that gap. And to tell you that there's so much value in each one of us. There's so much calling in each side, in each one of us that the Lord could use. Uh, and so um, the Holy Spirit is with us, inside of us, and ready to use us for God's mission of making His Son known to the world. So let me pray. Amen? Pray for us as we think about the mission of God. All right, Lord, we thank you, God, that you're want to um, want to use us that the mission of God is not for a select few but the mission of God is for every Christian for the home and the world Father I pray that we may think about the mission of God as a gospel centered mission and that is a mission Lord that's that's just so wide that's so it could be anything Lord it is about the, the son of God being glorified it is about Jesus being exalted Father, I ask you uh, this morning that we may be um, challenged by this, that, Lord, we may really want to step up uh, to the calling of being a missionary today. Father, bless us, Lord, as we sing, as we worship, and grow in our missionary calling in everyday life.